1: Friends, we live in a world today where people are caught up in a great controversy between good and evil, which assaults every form of harmony in life, and there's a war on relationships. If you haven't felt it, you don't live in the world that I live in.
2: That's Pastor Michael Tenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Today, here on Reaching Your Heart... We bring you the Pantocrator, the first portion of that message. It is a part of the Revelation series, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Before we get started, we want you to know that we believe here at Reaching Your Heart that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us at any time, day or night, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now is Pastor
1: Michael Oxentenco. Her name is Harmony. She was named Harmony by parents who couldn't or wouldn't get along. Every child in some way needs to experience Harmony. The little girl's only claim to Harmony was her name. It was Harmony's birthday last week, and as birthdays go, so goes the joy of a little girl. So much of the transitions of life are wrapped up in a birthday, and the family and fun and the joy and the blessing that gather there as a child moves into the future. It was Harmony's birthday. Her parents are separated, but on her third birthday, they both managed to muster enough Harmony to bless the little girl with a party. The chosen venue is Chuck E. Cheese's and the three-year-old Harmony suddenly had her heart's desire. Not the pizza, not the array of 14 friends with party horns and balloons going up. Not the lights and the games that made Chuck E. Cheese's a coveted venue for children. No, none of that. Just mom and dad together for an hour on her birthday at Chuck E. Cheese's in apparent harmony. Harmony with mom and dad in harmony. As the party disbanded, little Harmony was lost in the confusion of her departing parents. I mean, the party gave way to the problem. Mommy went one way thinking Harmony went the other way with Dad. And Dad went the other way thinking that Harmony went with Mom. And so there was no Harmony at the end of the party. The end result, Harmony was left behind without a Mommy or a Daddy at Chuck E. Cheese's. At 8 o'clock in the evening, a little girl walked up to an employee and she said, I'm thirsty. A search for her parents ensued and neither was found. At that point, the manager figured it out and he called the authorities. Little Harmony was taken to the local precinct where child protective services were called. The sheriff also alerted the media for help in finding the parents. I mean, the child was found, the parents were lost. As the picture of Harmony appeared on the television screen, the call went out for her parents to appear and claim the little girl. Is there a mother or father out there who has lost a little girl? If so, please contact the authorities and claim Little Harmony now. Both mother and father saw Harmony on television. I mean, here they were watching television. There was a little girl. There was the police officer saying, Is mommy or daddy out there? And mommy and daddy saw it on television. The mother arrived at the police station to claim her little girl, and Harmony was released into her care because the incident was deemed an accident. It wasn't intentional. They figured out what had happened. Friends, we live... In a world today where people are caught up in a great controversy between good and evil, which assaults every form of harmony in life, and there is a war on relationships. If you haven't felt it, you don't live in the world that I live in. We live in a world today where there's not one piece of our connections to each other that is not attacked by evil in some fashion or another. And every person in this cosmic controversy, in some way, is a casualty of war, a war that will not go away. It lingers on. We feel it deeply. And like little Harmony, there are many in this world today who are looking for their heavenly parent. They are wondering if God up there cares. They want to know if there's a father friend And they want to know that when they're in trouble, if someone will make the call and God will come to them. They had a cosmic television set. They would broadcast it everywhere for God to hear their cry for help. Is God a father? And if so, where are you, Daddy? Do you care enough to interact with your children? Way down here where it's hard to hear you, where it's hard to live. Father, do you exist? Are you too far to be seen by men or women, or are your eyes only made for angels and the likes of them? Father, where are you? Does your power make you irrelevant to our need? Are you personal and powerful? Is there a God who really cares, and where is He up there? Where are you, and does He have the character and desire to be a father and a friend? Father, where are you? There are theologians today who posit the idea that God's power makes the prospect of God's love irrelevant. I mean, people get too smart for their own britches sometimes. I mean, sometimes people analyze God to where they don't know God. It goes something like this. If God is all-powerful, then why does God allow suffering when He can stop it in an instant? If God holds all the marbles, then why does He let them collide in ways that hurt people down here? If the, Can't the prime mover kind of move trouble out of the way so that we all have what we need and we can kind of get through life without being hurt all the time. If God holds everything in His hand, then why can't He hold me in His hand? Faced with the struggles of life, many people today believe that God doesn't hold anything in His hand that really matters. I recently visited a friend far from here. She married a good friend of mine. She's left church. She's left God. She came to church when I recently preached in that congregation. And she said something like this. She said, God let me down. She said, I married my husband. And all I wanted from God was the chance to love him. And it didn't work out. And why did God let me down? All I wanted to do was love. And God didn't give me what I needed to be a good enough wife for my husband to stay with me. I mean, what do you say to that kind of thing? I turned to her and I said, I can't explain why your marriage failed. But I know around you in this place is love. The people who love you are here. Can't you hear the voice of God speaking to you through them? She said, no, I can't. You know, we live in a world where people ask the questions, how on earth can God care If the things I care about the most can't work out. The book of Revelation begins as a revelation of Jesus Christ. But it quickly becomes a revelation of God. A revelation of a God who cares. Of a God who connects with us way down here. Who takes the confusion, the sinful anxieties of our life and finds an almighty way to sort through it and bring us through. If we'll just come to Him and hear His call. Revelation 1.8, God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Enamored with the toys of the 21st century technology. How many of you noticed that the new iPad came out? Anybody here? Retina technology. It still doesn't have a USB port, which is why I have an Android. But maybe one of these days, they'll open up the architecture so the rest of us can enjoy it. But they say it's an amazing piece of technology. Enamored with the toys of 21st century technology. I mean, more people gather around the web to see what the new iPad's about than to gather around God's Word and see what God's about. So enamored with 21st century technology, the modern mind and the modern heart has surrendered the search for God to toys. Toys have taken the place of church and of spirituality. Many see God as an obstacle in the way of progress, material progress. The scientific mind has written God off as irrelevant to the origin of the universe and its future, but more profoundly, irrelevant to life right now. Revelation 118 contains the truth about God that is hard to hear today. God's essential being and core character are revealed in this one verse, a magnificent verse that stands as a revelation of Jesus Christ and a revelation of God the Father. It starts with a merism. Now, what's a merism? It's a technical term in exegesis. A merism is a figure of speech where two polar or opposite truths are stated to express a complete truth or whole. The book of Revelation contains merisms. For instance, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Two sides, two polar sides, expressing a complete truth. Revelation twenty-one six and 22.13, I am the beginning and the end. A merism. Revelation 21.13 and one17 I am the first and the last. Again, a merism. A merism bookends the stuff between two polar ends to express a truth that is whole and complete. On each side of the Merism, Revelation eight, is an aspect of God's eternal nature. God is both the Alpha and the Omega. And so the question arises, what stands between the Alpha and the Omega? What is the important stuff in the middle of the Alpha and the Omega? What is the merit of the Merism? What's in the middle of it? Where is God between forever then and forever tomorrow? Where is God between Alpha and Omega? This merism, Revelation 1-8, is no doubt an illusion. It's an allusion back to the great gospel prophet Isaiah. Between chapters 41 and 48 of Isaiah, we find three of these, and this verse is connecting to every one of them. The first merism in Isaiah describes God's power to raise up a deliverer from the east, who is most likely Cyrus, the Persian king who brought God's people out of Babylon. Now Cyrus was the only heathen king called a Messiah in the Bible. And the reason for this is he was appointed by God, anointed by God, to interact with the great world power of Babylon and to save God's people. And in that sense, he is a foretaste of Jesus Christ. In the book of Revelation, we know in the sixth plague that the kings of the east, the way will be prepared for the kings of the east, the river Euphrates will be dried up. Now Cyrus dried up the ancient river of Euphrates, and he was a king that came from the east. Ultimately, Jesus and His Father are coming from the East as the kings of the East. Now, let's look at the Marism, Isaiah 41.4. The Bible says, Who has performed and done this, calling generations from the beginning, I, the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am He. Now, the Hebrew reads literally, I am the first, and I am the one who is coming after now, I am means the God of time is a personal God in time. I am is not the puller in of Alpha and Omega. I am is here. He's not a being who lives in the past only and winds it up like a clock to wind down without him in it. He's not some prime mover who moves the first atom and then he can't be moved by anything in time because he's indifferent and uncaring. He's not the first cause of a big bang that doesn't matter. The God of the Bible is a living, a loving being who moves into the future from the past. He is the God who was and who is coming. The name for God in Isaiah 41.4 is Lord. Now, if you look in that verse, you'll see that it's spelled L-O-R-D, all capital letters, indicating that God is the personal covenant God. Now, this is the name that God revealed at Mount Sinai to Moses. I mean, God had never revealed the meaning of his name until he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. And at Mount Sinai, in Exodus 3, 14, he says, My name is the Lord, L-O-R-D, all capital letters. Throughout your generations forever, I am to be remembered by this name. And then Moses asked, of course, in the context, what does it mean? In verse 14, God says, I am that I am. I can still hear the voice of Cecil B. DeMills and the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. Saying, I am that I am kind of a ghostly voice coming from the burning bush. Now both Isaiah 52 6 and 65 1 indicates that God's name I am, L-O-R-D, the Lord, means it's an idiom. It means I am here. The Lord with all capital letters in Hebrew, which is derived from the Hebrew being verb, Hayah to be. The God who is, the I am God. It's an idiom that means, I am here. God lives on both sides of the Marism. He is Alpha and the Omega. But dear heart, He lives in the middle too. He is the I am here God. Now look at Isaiah 52.6. Here we have it. The Bible says, Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore in that day they shall know that it is I who speak. And then it says, Here am I. Which means, I am Here isaiah sixty five one I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, "Here am I, here am I It means i 'm here to a nation that did not call on my name. The God of history is a personal God with a name. Okay, I have a name. You have a name? God has a name, and god 's name is more personal than our name. And His personal name means, I am here. Have you ever thought about falling down your knees at the end of the day and saying, dear, I am here, God. Dear, I am here, God. I love you. Thank you for being here. I mean, the Ten Commandments are an expression of God's name and character. Why? Because the moral nature of the law of God The description of God's sovereign power to deliver His people. He says, I am the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. means, I am here. When He tells Moses, I have heard, I have seen, I know the affliction of my people, and I have come down, it means, I am here. The great I am is the I am here God. History is His story. And He is the potentate of personal time. Not just... Potential time, not just past time, but personal time as He moves between the Alpha and the Omega, the two poles of eternal time. The second Marism in Isaiah 41-48 to is found in Isaiah 44-6, full of meaning in the book of Revelation. Thus says the Lord, again we find the sacred name, L-O-R-D, all capital letters. The King of Israel, His Redeemer, again we find the name, L-O-R-D, all capital letters. The Redeemer is the Lord of Hosts. I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Now you will notice in this verse that the divine name is used for two individuals without contradiction here. Not just one, but two.
2: More with Pastor Michael Tanko in just a moment. Studying the Bible is vital to our lives. And we would like to help you in that process by providing you free Bible study guides. These full-color Bible study guides are available for you right now if you dial this telephone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. We would love for you to call and get your copy of these free Bible study guides at any time. That's 888-244-4673. Now more with Pastor Michael Tanko.
1: Now, I have a great respect for the Jehovah's Witness people. I don't know about you, but I do. I don't agree with them on their understanding of Jesus at all. But I respect anybody that will take their time and go door to door and share their faith. I just have respect for this. And so I don't look down on them at all. I think they're sincere people. And I've seen love in their eyes as they're trying to share what they believe is the truth. But this one verse that we're looking at here makes the essential assumption of the Jehovah's Witness theology impossible. Because we find two beings in this verse who possess the name the Lord, which is Jehovah, Yahweh. Not just one, but two. First, the King of Israel, and number two, the Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. The name the Lord is used safely for both the King of Israel and His Redeemer, which means that both are Yahweh, who is the great I Am, Lord of the Bible. Now some might say, well maybe the Redeemer is the Lord, the King here. Contextually impossible. In Isaiah 63, 9, the angel of God's presence is identified as the Lord's Redeemer, a distinct personality who is in fact the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah. So there are two beings who are one and who carry the same name in this verse. The king of Israel is eternal and his Redeemer is eternal too. The Redeemer is not an afterthought that God created to fix the moral mess of rebellion. The Redeemer is not someone disconnected from Yahweh or Jehovah. The Redeemer is and has always been God's eternal plan to save the universe. He is the guarantee of the everlasting covenant. He is the I am Redeemer, the Alpha and Omega Redeemer, the beginning and the end Redeemer. He is the Redeemer that has God's name in him because he is God. In Isaiah 44, 6, the king and his redeemer speak as one because they are one. I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Both the king of Israel and his redeemer are one. I am God. In the book of Revelation, the expression the first and the last is applied to both God the Father and his son Jesus Christ without contradiction. They are two co-eternal beings Who share the same name because they are one as God. And when they speak, you can speak of them as I. Because they are in perfect agreement, they are God. The King of Israel and His Redeemer. In Revelation 1.8, the expression the first and the last is given to God the Father. Who is identified as the one who is and who was and who is to come in Revelation 1.4. Like the Father in Revelation 1.17 and 18 Jesus is the first and the last who died and who is alive forevermore. In Revelation 22 6, God the Father is identified as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And then in verse 7, God the Father promises those who overcome that he will be their Father. In Revelation twenty two sixteen, Jesus says He is coming and that He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I mean, you can't miss it. The same names are used for Jesus and God the Father because they are one as Jehovah, Yahweh God. Just a few verses into the book of Revelation is clear that God the Father and His Son Jesus are one. You know, that's why Christ would say, I and the Father are one. He meant it. The great I am God of the Bible is the king of the universe. And the redeemer of the universe is the Lord of hosts, the captain of the Lord's angelic host. They are both Alpha and Omega. I am here God. Now in Revelation 22, 1, the Father and the Son share the same throne because they are both the same God. Eight verses in the book of Revelation, we see the tender tie that links the Son of God To God the Father. You see, the book of Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is a revelation of God the Father. The third merism in Isaiah 41 to 48 is found in verse 12 of Isaiah 48. Isaiah 48, 12. It is a merism that illustrates God's concern for his people. Between the two poles of eternal time, God calls out to his people to hear his word in time and be saved. Isaiah 48, 12. God is speaking, Hearken to me, O Jacob and Israel, whom I called, I am He, I am the first and I am the last. And draws attention to the subject matter between two polar ends. I am the first and I am the last. Between the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, is a complete truth, dear heart, is a complete God who is the truth. He is in the middle too. And the God of eternity who calls His people in time to Him is a God of the present circumstance who loves us. The voice of God is the stuff in the middle of the marism that matters most. What does that mean? Dear heart, it means that God loves you. It means that the great God who's big enough to create the universe, the great God who's big enough to finish it out and bring it to judgment, is the great God who's big enough to sort through the stuff you're dealing with. He's the God who can deal with that challenging retirement situation. He's the God who can deal with the tension in a family relationship because you have temperaments that don't mix. But you can have the love of God that can mix it up anyway and make it work. He's the God who can interact with impossible situations because the creation of the universe came from the impossible. It happened by faith. A God who had never created did. And dear heart, the same God can recreate you and form you in His image. Between the eternal truth that God was and the eternal truth that God will be is the pertinent truth that matters most in life. God is here for you. God loves you. Elder H.M.S. Richards, Jr. had a fond affection for the great African-American preacher, Elder Charles E. Bradford. And I have a great affection for H.M.S. Richards, Jr., I was headed for pre-medicine and he pretty much told me, he says, Mike, I'm not telling you what to do, but you aren't called into medicine, you're called into ministry, so I'll be praying for you, son, for a whole year until you change the course of your life. He said, you need to surrender self-will to God's will, and so he got on his ham radio and he called me once a week from California, deep in the Marshall Islands, interacting, to budge me toward a life calling instead of my own pursuit of what I wanted to be.
2: That will complete the first portion of the Pantocrator, today's Reaching Your Heart. It's part of the Revelation series, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. If you're living in Northern Virginia, or if you don't mind driving just a little bit, Pastor Mike would like to invite you personally to his seminar to learn about the amazing prophetic discoveries as found in the book of Revelation. Now this series starts Friday, marks the at seven p.m. and is being conducted by Pastor Mike's good friend, Pastor Mark Finley, who is a pastor, author, and evangelist who has taken these seminars to over 80 countries. You'll not want to miss Pastor Mark's dynamic, compassionate, and thought-provoking discoveries that enables you to really actually understand the Book of Revelation and face the future with confidence. This seminar is free and will be conducted at the Battlefield Best Western Inn, ten eight twenty Ballsford Road, Manassas, Virginia. That's ten eight twenty Ballsford Road, Manassas, Virginia. The seminar is packed with content and will be conducted in the evenings at seven p.m on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. If you can't attend the entire series, please stop by and learn some amazing discoveries with the time that you have. That's 10-820 Ford Road, Manassas, Virginia. You can call this telephone number for more information. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Be prepared. It's a great motto to keep in mind given the difficult times that we all face here in the future. We'd love for you to have a book entitled Ultimate Survival. This book will give you practical steps on how you can survive spiritually. You'll discover keys to physical, mental, and spiritual survival you may not know existed. Call right now, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673.